welcome to the Youth Development Professionals Guidebook. I'm your host, Michael Garcia. And I'm your co-host, Al Ferreira. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Thanks for joining us. I'm very excited to have Rabbi Sarah Rich here from Hillel of the University of Buffalo. Rabbi Sarah, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Hillel and, and at the University of Buffalo and, and what you're doing right now and how does it look? Well, um, thank you very much for having me on. Always want to start by um, saying um, that I really love the concept of your podcast and what you're doing to help um, all of us working with youth um, at any point in our career, you know, early and um, those who've been doing it for a while, there's always more to learn. So Hillel is an organization that serves Jewish college students in the Buffalo area, which includes UB, Buff State, and all of the local campuses. We're part of an umbrella organization, Hillel International, which, which serves Jewish college students on over 500 campuses around the world. And um, Hillel has been in Buffalo for over 70 years, and we're constantly reinventing ourselves and um, adapting and changing based on generations of students, which change faster than generations change in general. And um, so we're always looking to you know, learn more about them and um, see how we can serve them best um, and really support them and the university um, you know, during the students' time here. And right now is a strange time um, because the semester converted to all online classes early in March, as did virtually every uh, campus in North America and in other places in the world. And um, we are all about connections and generally in person. And so um, having to modify our programming and our outreach um, has been a really big project and a very rich learning. A lot of our, our listeners may or may not understand, what is there like a brief history of Hillel? And explain a little bit more, dive a little deeper into that so we can have a true understanding of, of the community you're serving. Yeah, so um, Jewish college students come from a range of backgrounds a range of interests in different parts of Judaism. And uh, we really like to look at each student as an individual. And so Hillel, um, I think, started as, on many campuses, as a safe haven for Jewish students. There were campuses that um, were discriminatory towards Jews, you know, early, this is early, of course, in American history, um, who had quotas, you know, and so Jews weren't always accepted into wider social circles. Thankfully, that has changed, um, and today it's not so much a refuge as a center for Jewish community, and uh, we consider ourselves a, a hub. That's imagery that we like to use, you know, a hub for Jewish life on campus, a multifaceted hub um, that has something for everyone. And so we have students who come to us looking for community service, students who love to travel, and we offer different travel experiences. Um, we welcome student innovation and we have something called Design Hub where students can create their own projects. We've had students do Jewish cooking classes through that, dance, um, other volunteer projects, so many um, great initiatives that we never would have come up with. Um, but when you start asking students what they want, they'll tell you and we say we can help you with that. And um, there's, you know, we do that to serve them and their development. And um, because we wanna help prepare them to be professionals and leaders upon graduation, we only have them for a limited amount of time. And so um, they gain those development skills when they're the ones who are creating the programming as opposed to us creating it and asking them just to show up. You know, we offer, of course, religious services, holiday celebrations, 
and things like that. Um, a lot of uh, Israel education and Israel travel. So really a variety and some students want just one piece of that. Some students want to do it all and um, we welcome also. In your description that you, you just uh, touched on, uh, it seems like the service is a really important component to everything. Uh, and I noticed in your bio and, in a, and uh, you know, on your LinkedIn page, and th you, you talk about starting by asking people, what do you want? And, uh, you know, ultimately, that's a great way uh, of, of, of providing servant leadership. Uh, where, where does that stem for you? Where did that servant leadership concept come from? Who were you learning from? Who were your examples? That's a great question. Uh, we were very fortunate to be selected in a, for a program called the Organizational Design Lab, which is a program that um, was started by Rabbi Yona Schiller, who um, was, a, I believe is, he's ending his time this year, um, the director at the Tulane University Hillel. And um, it's in partnership with Hillel International and um, run in a day-to-day -day way um, by uh, Rabbi Charlie Buckholtz. So uh, we were um, allowed to be a part of this two-year cohort in um, design thinking where we received training. And design thinking um, takes a pretty simple mentality of if you want to know um, what to create, ask the person who will be using it and spend a lot of time learning about who they are and what their challenges are and they want. And, you know, we're all creative people in this world, right, and youth development and I could, I have a list of probably, you know, 100 activities and programs that I want to do and classes I want to teach and great points about Judaism that I really want them to know. Um, but it doesn't matter, right? And um, it doesn't matter if, if it's not what they care about. And so um, the mentality of this organizational design lab program that we're in is that students are proud to be Jewish. You know, they care about it, but um, they don't want us reaching out to them so that we can say, wow, we reached 100 students this week, you know, good for us. Um, rather, we should be asking, how can we help support you? What are the things that you need right now? And um, when you ask students what they need, they'll tell you, and um, you can go from there. You can really make something. And I can tell you that um, we're a year and a half into the two-year program, and it has made a dramatic, dramatic uh, impact on our organization, has caused us to change almost everything in terms of our student leadership model, what our outreach looks like, and, and you know, starting from when we have a new project um, uh, is how we, how we now go into it. And um, that's very much the case in our response to COVID-19. You know, old habits die hard. And um, my first thought was, okay, things are going virtual. Oh, I can think of so many great virtual programs that we can do. We can have Jewish learning, ask the rabbi, you know, all these things. And um, we started, you know, floating a couple of ideas and um, students were not showing up. Come to find out that uh, they weren't thrilled about having all online classes and actually didn't really want to be, you know, sitting in front of a computer any more than they had to. The other really interesting finding um, was that while we think of them as, you know, digital natives who live their lives online, always staring at their phones, you know, all these things that we've been saying about this age cohort, that it's true in some ways and not true in others. I learned that many of our students had never used Zoom before. I've been using Zoom for years, you know, in various online learning platforms. It feels very natural for me. And they had to like figure out what it was, you know, I hadn't heard of it yet. Um, you know, while it's obvious to me that I could, yeah, let's, we can do a whole big Zoom call with my whole family, right? And we could, you know, check in everyone. 
they're, when we ask them, are you staying in touch with your friends? They're like, no, not really, not like, but you could, they're like, eh. you know, and so that was fascinating. What we did instead was, um, I'm very lucky to work with two other incredible staff members, Logan Woodard and Alexa Zappia. And uh, we have a list of students that have been involved with us one way or another during their time in college. And we divided up the list and just started calling them on the telephone. <laughs> like the little thing rang, and there was a voice, you know, and they were touched by the phone call. They didn't expect it in a million years. And we asked them, first of all, where are you? Because some students stayed in Buffalo, some went home. Um, how's your, how is your transition to online learning? And do you have any needs right now? You know, it's physical safety concern, food insecurity, mental health, you know, all these challenges. Is there anything we can do to support you? Where are you for Passover? Because it was right before the Passover holiday, which is customarily you're sitting around the table with your loved ones and there are special foods that we eat and things that we don't eat. And do you have access to that kind of food if you, know, if you want or need it for the holiday? And so we started listening and did a big listening tour, spoke to close to 100 students in the course of just a couple of weeks. And we wrote down everything we learned and every morning at 10 o'clock, my team and I were on Zoom comparing notes. What did you find out? What does this person need? How can we help? And then we organized our response based on that. Wow, that's it's amazing. I I am uh, as as you were talking, I you know I think of Richard Greenleaf, who you know kind of coined the term servant leadership uh, back in the late '60s, and, uh, and and his quote is, "The difference manifests itself in care taken by the servant first to make sure that other people's highest priority needs are being served." And, and that's exactly what you're doing. You're 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 finding out what people need and putting your needs aside, your want, uh, I think, is the the term aside, and really uh, moving forward with uh, what your 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 membership, your clients, your uh, your students uh, really need. Uh, and that, that's that's quite admirable work. I, have have you discovered within that? Have you discovered something new about yourself that you weren't aware of? I mean, I think that, um, that, I don't know if it's something new, but it felt like a homecoming of sorts to why I got into this work in the first place. And it's because I care so much about the students and their well-being, and because I care about Judaism and they're feeling welcomed and accepted in the Jewish community or by Jewish figures, you know, like myself. And they don't, that's not the starting point for many of our students. Many of them feel like, oh, I didn't have a bar mitzvah or I stopped going to synagogue after my bar mitzvah or I eat bacon or my girlfriend's not Jewish or any number of things. And they often self-select out of what we have to offer um, because they deem themselves bad Jews, you know, not good enough, all of that. I don't feel that way, right? But um, no one ever, they don't ask me what I think, right? Um, but it doesn't matter. And so, you know, it, I think our goal was to be, um, you know, everyone's getting a phone call you know, whether you're in here every day or we haven't, you know, seen you before, um, but you showed up at some point because you're on our list, you know, and um, so, and, and that really fuels me and I think it fuels our staff. And um, I, um, you know, I'm often sitting on a normal day in my office, you know, looking at spreadsheets and, you know, other things like that. And um, that's not, I don't mind doing it. It supports the organization, but it's not, um, not what called me to the work in the first place. So it has felt really good to go back to about this. 
so that homecoming that you talk about is 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 your own not just the students yeah can so where did that where was the onus of that where was where was home that you went away and then came back well i i decided i wanted to be a rabbi when i was 15 mm -hmm. and so more than a couple years ago and um, uh, became a rabbi in 2011, so going on almost a decade. And I decided, you know, when I was 15 years old, I wanted to be a rabbi because I wanted to help people and to try and make their lives better. And not just, um, you know, kind of from my own expertise, but, um, but from a set of morals, you know, a set of stories. Um, which is what I believe religions are, you know, and certainly Judaism has a lot of laws, has a lot of stories, has a lot of uh, principles that really enrich one's life um, when they're taken into, you know, part of their life. And so um, it's, you know, helping from that place. And that's where this comes from for us right now. So that's the homecoming for me. Thank you for that. It, it, that's, that feels like it's deeply personal for you. I feel blessed that I get to do work that's so, you know, deeply personal. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we're going to go to a break right now. So we'll be back in just a few moments. If you're interested in having your voice heard on this podcast, go to youthdevelopmentpro.com and send us an email. Welcome back. We're sitting here with uh, Rabbi Sarah Rich and enjoying uh, her concepts of servant uh, leadership. And um, so one of the things uh, you're working with college students and one of the things that uh, I know that's out there, uh, John Maxwell, who's uh, one of my mentors, talks about everybody communicates, but few connect. It seems like this age group uh, has uh, a, a greater difficulty in con communicating and connecting more so than uh, possibly some previous um, uh, generations. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about how you're seeing students connect in this, uh, who they seem to long for a black and white world, and we're really not finding that uh, to be true at all. Things aren't black and white. Yeah, I, well, I think you're raising two really important things about how they connect, and then just this question in general about helping students live in the gray area and feel comfortable there. So I'll address both. Um, you know, in terms of how they connect, they, it's different than what I would have expected. And um, they, you know, and I don't want to um, disparage the technology that we have and what it's allowed us to do. The fact that you can go away to college and easily, inexpensively, at any hour, maintain connection with your friends from high school who you've known for years and years and years. Um, that's wonderful, you know, that you can text your friends from high school and, um, and have them be in some way, a part, you know, greater part of your life. And, uh, you know, it takes time to make deep friendships. And, you know, whenever I talk to students who a month in, you know, to their freshman year are feeling lonely um, and feel like they haven't made friends and all of that, I always say, you know, it's really normal, first of all, if all your hallmates who are gonna be your best friends for life um, are now maybe not the people that you actually want to be best friends with life, that's really natural. And that, that kind of reshuffling is normal and Anyone walking around who looks like they have it all figured out, they don't. They're just better at hiding it, maybe. And, and I think that's true for us as adults as well, that most of us wouldn't mind, you know, parts of our lives were a little bit richer, our social lives, you know, our personal lives. And 
you know, spiritual lives, all sorts of things, right? And um, students, you know, as kids, you're allowed to show that, I think, a little bit more, and they're in this point of transition. And um, I'm just trying to be, to make friends, like, that's one of their key developmental tasks at that age, right, is fitting in and finding their people and figuring out who they are, which is a really hard thing to do all at once. You know, and, and um, in terms of living in the gray, they, it's, think about it. Like, how challenging is that to figure out who you're supposed to be friends with when you don't totally know who you are yet? Because we know that we tend to hang out with people who are like us. <laughs> and so it's just, it's very challenging. And, um, and that's part of why, you know, we really emphasize with Hillel that you don't have to be a member. We don't have membership. They use that word a lot because they think of, you know, clubs, member of the chess club, member of the future business leaders, you know, club, things like that. We don't have members and um, we would love for people to come. And if you're someone who's really into social justice, but not really into, um, into Jewish cooking, like you could still be friends with those people, right? Um, but it's also okay if you're not friends with every single person and tend to gravitate towards people, you know, with similar interests. So you don't want it to feel like it's one big group, you know, that people have to um, be either in or out. And um, that it's okay to, to start things and change course and that it's okay to be in transition, to not fully know who you are, to not fully know what you want to do or what you want, and to just try and take it one day at a time, you know, and, um, and try to find some peace in the not knowing. I had a lot of questions when I was in college about what kind of Jew I wanted to be and um, how, you know, kind of how religiously observant or not. Did I still want to be a rabbi or should I take a different path? And um, the hardest thing that someone said to me uh, was, you know, you're asking all the right questions. Like, you know, nice, what's the answer? But no one can answer, you know, and so I never say that to students, but it flashes into my mind all the time, you know, um, that students ask really real great questions that I don't want to tell them that they'll never get to the answers, you know, on some of these, um, but just trying to find some kind of peace in that discomfort. That was awesome, Sarah. So Al and I are both old camp guys, right? And you're- Seasoned, seasoned camp, <laughs> camp guys. Some of us a little spicier than others. And you were, you were, and, and the purpose of this podcast, right, is to, there's more than one voice out there. And I close my eyes and you're a camp director. And we're saying the same things. It's about community and finding your community and building opportunities for groups to gather in those communities. Your tool that you use is Hallel. Our tool that we use is camp. You know, there's programs that use it in preschool. Your kids go to preschool and, and, you know, that's really a huge challenge. And I love linking that to the Design Institute and not, you know, when I started as a young camp professional, my supervisor said, well, you're the camp director, go figure it out and they'll come. And that's completely backwards on how you should think about uh, engaging with people in your community. So thinking about the people in your world and your kids and your, you know, the, the people you're connecting with during this time, who are the leaders that are stepping up that maybe surprised you? I didn't expect that from them. And, you know, you could call them out by name or you could just reference them if you want, but like, who are people stepping up and, and what are they doing to step up to kind of impress you? A lot of names come to mind and um, yes, starting local. I have been 
so impressed by the Buffalo Jewish Federation led by Rob Goldberg and his team. We are one of the agencies that they support. And um, they, you know, right away, you know, asking what we need and how they can support us, um, getting us through successfully um, the PPP, you know, loan program. Um, a huge thanks to Debbie Marcy there um, because, you know, it's not all delivering matzah to students with no matzah, you know, like there. Um, we, um, there's a whole back end, you know, to us that needs to be tended during this time as well. And um, they just have been outstanding. And um, it's always an honor to work with them um, and to feel supported. But I'm just very proud of Jewish Buffalo and um, all the ways that this community has come together to support people. And, you know, all of our efforts of reaching out to our students, uh, I know they're doing the same and reaching out to everyone that they know, which is a much bigger list. Um, you know, all, <laughs> everyone, in the, all the Jews in Buffalo and all the ones who are in Florida, you know, wherever they are at this moment. So, um, huge kudos to them. And another person that I'd like to call it by name is Adam Lehman, who is the CEO of Hillel International, who took on that role only a few months ago. And uh, can you imagine, you know, what a great first year of work. Um, Trial by been, fire. <laughs> truly. I mean, he was the COO um, for a couple of years and um, was hired um, and, you know, began uh, this position. Um, so he's thankfully very familiar with the organization, but still not, um, not easy, not easy. And um, the kind of support that Hillel International has provided to us and to um, the other campuses has also been remarkable. And it's financial support, tactical report. I received a phone call yesterday from the chair of Hill, Hillel International's board of directors asking me how I was doing. Just lovely, just lovely, you know, and, and treating us like people, right? And, um, and that's, it's all about modeling. And I know, you know, at camp, it's the same thing. You know, how you treat the unit heads influences how they treat the counselors, which influences how they treat those kids. And hopefully you want, you know, people rising the organization to become the future camp directors. And so it's about the culture that you create. And I think the culture of compassion and warmth and just taking the extra step to see how someone's doing. That's, you know, it's all about our values. And, um, so, you know, it comes down to that. And just another shout out to the people at the grocery stores, you know, and um, I've been using grocery delivery for years. I, I want to go back and ask uh, another question. Um, uh, so uh, as I understand it, uh, over the last couple of years, you've been working to really revamp your organization and uh, and then, you know, five, lo and behold, five or six weeks ago, uh, we have this entire cultural shift that's global in perspective and you've had to pivot on what you're doing uh, so within that pivot the different things that you're discovering that you're having to do now are there things that you think you will continue to do further on the line when things readjust to whatever that might look like we were having that that conversation this week and saying that we have reached more students in the past couple of weeks than we normally would because of these phone calls um, in the same span of time. And that there's something about the phone that we wouldn't, we never pick up the phone unless it's a student that we already have a relationship with and we need to go over some, you know, program detail of something they're working on or it's functional, you know. I mean, the exception is if a student is having a hard time with something personally, 
you know, um, and if there's a reason that they can't come into my office to talk, then, you know, we might talk on the phone, but it's very, very few currently. And um, we're finding not only that students are more reachable, but that they've been really opening up to us more on the phone. I'm finding out things about students' personal lives that I didn't know, even if I've seen them in Hillel or around campus for the last couple of years. And that could be specific to this moment, that they're stuck at home and just will talk to anyone, you know, telemarketers, anyone who calls them, it's possible. Um, or it's possible that um, this kind of outreach is something that we should continue doing and strategically, right? Not just running through the list. You know, there, I think for it to be authentic, um, it needs to be done with a purpose. But what if four weeks into the semester, we call every freshman that we know and say, how's it going for you? What's working well for you and what isn't? Just asking, you know, and um, students get nervous, right? Are you trying to sell me something? Are you like, you need me to, I think one of the things that's helpful is their home, you know, we can't be asking them to show up at something that they don't want to do, right? Um, but I think that there's a space for this now. And if it isn't working, we don't do it. That actually is one of the best things I learned in rabbinical school from, um, I was in a fellowship and they brought in lots of different rabbis to talk about things that they're good at. <laughs> and um, and there's a woman, um, I remember her first name was Lauren, and I apologize, I forget her last name, but she said, when things stop working, we don't do them anymore. And that is often not the case with institutions. You know, um, there's reasons where programs continue or initiatives continue um, beyond their, you know, beyond their peak. And um, we try to really not be, um, not be bound by things that aren't working anymore, even if they once did. Yeah, that diminishing return is really, you know, something that, well, we've always done it that way before and redoing it just to check a box because we've done it that way and I've made XYZ emails a month or XYZ, or am I really being intentional with connecting with another, wait for it, human being? Because that's what we're, that's what we're in the, that's what we're in this for, right? Is in what I'm hearing from you and all the podcasts and all the people we're listening to is we're doing this because we want to connect and we want other people to connect. And um, that's great. I love that you're considering, you know, six months from now or when, when we're past, I don't know if we'll ever really be past this, but when we're further through this tunnel that we're in, that you're considering to still keeping up some of these practices. Is there anything else that you're doing new now that you would continue to, that you think you may continue to do in the future? Well, right now we are working on an initiative uh, called Hillel Helpers, which is pairing college students with kids in the, we just started with the Buffalo Jewish community um, to help them with their homework or if they're little and don't have homework to entertain them in any kind of way to give their parents, you know, a half hour break um, to write a few more emails. And, um, and also um, having students call some of the senior citizens in the community who, you know, maybe aren't getting a lot of, you know, social contact. And um, we had a lot of students sign up, um, more than we would have, again, if it had been, oh, we're all going Sunday afternoon to go clean up a park. I think we would get two or three, you know. Um, but we had, in the last couple of weeks, 20 students sign up to do this. And um, are, you know, still, still taking, um, you know, if they're interested, you know, parents or people who want to do this, um, we, I think there will be more students who would want to do it. So, you know, how we connect our students to the community around them off campus 
um, is a challenge that we've been thinking about over the last couple of years. We want them to feel like they're part of the Buffalo Jewish community. Um, in general, students become very campus focused uh, because their lives are here. Um, and we wanna make sure that they get off campus and explore all the wonderful things to do in Buffalo um, beyond Amherst and, um, and to realize that they're a part of something larger. That might continue in some way. That's sounds amazing. Rabbi Sarah, I'm, I'm so impressed by all the amazing, great work you're doing here in Buffalo and with Hillel. Talk to us, give us some info. How can people get a hold of you? We'll put your website in the comment section of the podcast, but you know, how can people reach out to you? Yeah, well, you can definitely find uh, my contact info on the website, um, our phone number and, um, and my email address. And um, you can, you know, you can like Hillel of Buffalo on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, friend me, all those things. And, um, you know, we know that um, there are a lot of people out there um, who have connections, you know, as alumni or things like that at UB or our other schools. We're always looking to talk to you, you know, about what your experiences are. Um, always love to be a thought partner. Um, it's fun sometimes to talk to people not working in Hillel um, and, to, you know, camp and other fields. So I uh, would love to continue the Awesome. Thank you so much again. And we are going to take our final break and Al and I'll be back right after this. Thanks to our friends at Expert Online Trading for supporting the Youth Development Professional Guidebook podcast. Al, you used Expert Online Training at your summer camp. I did, actually. I used them for several seasons at the last camp that I was the executive director. When we were trying to decide the items that we would present during our staff orientation week, there were so many things that we left out. And when expert online training came along, it was like, oh, we can do this ahead of camp. And then people come in and they're already prepared. We even added on to our our support staff, our directing team components so that we'd all be on the same page prior to doing our support staff training as well. It just really made a huge difference. And Expert Online Training has some great folks who present uh, the kind of people that you'd want to see at conferences or that you do make time to see at the different conferences throughout the year. So if you're interested in looking for the highest quality online training for your youth programs, go to expertonlinetraining.com and check them out. Thanks again for all their support. Welcome back. I loved talking to Rabbi Sarah Rich. She is a true inspirational leader. Al, tell me a little bit about what your takeaway was from today. Well, I, you know, I'm going to go right to it. Uh, what, you know, what I heard her talk about is that when you're leading, it's uh, as important as what to do and where to go. Uh, she was very clear on what the culture that they want, that, that servant culture of what do you want? And, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it exemplifies the law of timing that John Maxwell talks about over and over again. Uh, it just was so clear to me that they're willing to change their strategy to pivot on what they're doing and how they're delivering it just to maintain that culture of what do you want? How can we best serve you? Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent. I think 
one of the takeaways, and I said it earlier in the podcast, and I'm going to say it again, you know, as you're listening to this, you may be a camp director and because Al and Mike are camp directors, that's who you're listening to, but really pay attention to that building community section that Rabbi Sarah was talking about. She's doing it in a college. You and I do it in a camp. We both have experience doing it with after school and preschool in the YMCA, in the JCC, in Hillel, in our previous and, and people coming up in the podcast, in they're doing it in Spain and Venezuela. They're doing it all over. And we're doing this because we're leading and trying to connect and build relationships and communities. And so with that, you know, we hope you're enjoying the Youth Development Professional Guidebooks community. Uh, give us a five-star rating on your app that you're listening to. Share it, comment, send us some love. Uh, you put some comments down and we'll, we'll respond to it as best as we can. And we hope to see you next time. Thanks, everybody.